all of you. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. Hope you're ready to celebrate all weekend long. And uh, today we're going to be closing out our series on Lost. And uh, I must say that this is going to be uh, the closer for sure. And I'm very, very excited about what we're going to talk about today. And I hope uh, that, that you're ready uh, to, to listen and to hear what God wants to share with you today. And if you're visiting with us today, I want, want you to know how, uh, how excited we are that you're here. I want you to feel welcome. Uh, and, and we are working very hard so this church can be a place where you can come and you can find home. And you can grow your relationship with God. We want our church to be a place where people can get closer to God and grow their faith. And uh, this series is called Lost, and today we're going to be looking at the older brother. Uh, two weeks ago, we, uh, we did, on Father's Day, if you remember, we looked at the prodigal God, prodigal being wasteful, extravagant, excessive, over the top. That's what prodigal means. Uh, and that's our God. He is over the top, excessive, extravagant with his mercy, with his love. And we're going to see some more of that today. But our primary focus today is going to be on the older brother. And uh, today on Independence Day, and, and the whole thing of, of, of this service is recovering the heart of Christianity. Uh, it, it, it's gotten lost and continues uh, to, to, to be embattled. With, with what really Christianity is all about. And Jesus came to open our eyes and to help us see. And we're going to open our Bibles if you have yours today, no matter what form it is, whether it's, uh, you know, your phone, whether it's your iPad or your tablet, or you just got the old-fashioned Bible, old-school Bible. That's good, too. If you don't have one, you can look on with the person next to you. We're going to look from uh, Luke chapter 15, and this, this chapter in, in the gospel really, really is kind of depictive of, of the gospel, of Jesus' mission, what he came for, what he was all about, and the struggle that went on in that. But to kind of set the stage, you know, uh, Dave and, and, and Margie came up, and I want to ask real quick uh, some audience participation. You ready for that? Briefly, what are you grateful for about this nation that we live in? What are you grateful for? And, you know, raise your hand. Yes, Robert. Freedom of religion. All right. That's a, that's a great blessing. You know, we take that for granted that we can come here and meet. And of all places, we, we're meeting in a Jewish synagogue. Think about that for a minute. A Christian church meeting in a Jewish synagogue only in the USA. No place on earth like the USA where you can do that. Anybody else? What are you grateful about our, our nation? Yes, Johan. Grateful to be here, okay? Anybody else? Kevin. Freedom from tyranny. Yeah, that's how my family came to this country. Yes, Janine. Freedom of the women. Come on. Be the voice for the women. Yeah, uh, you go to a few other places around the world, you're going to see how women get treated. Uh, women get pretty, treated pretty good. I know they want to get treated better, but it's coming. It's coming. 
That'll be another, another sermon series coming up. And Jesus treated women very well. Yes. Alvin. Freedom to make choices. Yes. Dan. Freedom of press or speech, right? I, I can say whatever I feel is on my heart, and so can you in this country, without having to be wor- without having to worry about being put in jail for what you say. That's that's pretty awesome. Want to be responsible with what we say, though, too, right? Because it affects others. Anybody else? Yes. Freedom from slavery. Yes, we have that right. One more. The ability to prosper. Okay, open doors. You know, there's there so many. I want to encourage you today to give thanks to God for this country that we live in. And I know there are a lot of problems. There are a lot of needs. But if you go outside of this country, you're going to see how blessed we are to have what we have. Uh, and, and, and this is a great place. And, and why is it a great place? It's my, my conviction... My, my faith and my opinion that the reason why the United States is what it is because this country was founded on Christian principles. And you see it all through the, you know, uh, Declaration of Independence. You see it in the history books of what the forefathers believed, their testimony, and, and, and all that. And we did a sermon series last year in July talking a lot about that. It's amazing. And I believe God saw that heart. The heart was out. They they wanted to honor God with this country. A lot of people escaped other countries to start a new country where they could practice and follow the Bible as it's written, not as it was forced down their throat. And in a lot of places, they couldn't read the Bible. It was prohibited. And they brought over with them the... the, the, uh, Pilgrims, they brought over a Geneva Bible. The Geneva Bible was considered illegal in Europe. And they brought it over and they read it. There's a, there's a huge painting in the Capitol building of uh, one of the, the first, as they call it, the Thanksgiving Day Feast. And there in the Thanksgiving Feast, in the Capitol building, there they have, and it says it, Geneva Bible, right on it. That's why I believe this country is what it is. But... The honest truth is this country is straying from God and His Word and the principles that it was laid on. And it's our responsibility to make it better. So celebrate and give thanks for for what you have and what we have. But I want you to ask, I want to start asking a question. What if we lost our freedom? What if we lost it today? You lost your freedom. You go home, and there's some people out in front of your house. They're waiting for you. And they say, you got to come with us. And they take away all your stuff. And they tell you, you're no longer free. In fact, you're not a free person anymore. Would you miss your freedom? If you lost it, I bet you would. And this whole idea of of lost, losing something. We've all been there one time or another. When you lose something. And, you know, yesterday as I was preparing for this lesson, I I went on and did some image images searches of 
parents, when they lose a child, those posters that they put up, missing child. And you want to know how many posters are on the internet of missing children? And sometimes we overlook it. We, we, we overlook the fact that what parents are going through having lost a child, what, what it must feel like. And then there's some posters that this is what the child looked like when they were lost. This is what we think they look like five, six, ten years later because they're still lost. Have you ever really sat down and thought about how a parent must feel who lost their child at a very early age? It'd be horrifying. But that is what God is feeling and Jesus is exposing about God's heart right here in chapter 15 of Luke. The whole chapter is dedicated to God lost something. And that's His great dilemma. You may be sitting here and say, I'm not lost. Are you sure of that? Are you and God close? Father and Son, Father and Daughter. See, because what we're going to see today, and as we look at the older brother, you can be a Christian. You can even be religious and still be lost. And that's the danger of religious pride. That you, in all that, you can get disconnected. From, from God. God has lost something, and we're going to do a short review. Luke 15, here in verse 1, we're going to see who was Jesus' audience here? Who was he talking to? In verse 1, it says, Now the Pharisees, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. When you eat with somebody, you affirm them. You accept them in that culture. Jesus was accepting these people or reaching out to them, allowing them to come close to Him. And this was way, 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 way out of culture for the religious society. And so we've got this audience. You've got two types of people. You've got these pagan people, sinners, and you've got religious people. And Jesus is speaking to both of them. I mean, that's a very high energy, high explosive audience. Because you've got polar opposites. And one group is not feeling good about the other group. But one of the amazing things about Jesus is, is that these people felt a comfortability and approachability. These lost people, these sinful people. Why is it these people like Jesus but don't like church. Ever thought about that? I mean, how easy would it be for somebody from a really rough background to walk in those doors and feel comfortable here? How would we make them feel? With Jesus, they felt really good. In fact, that was one of the rubs with the Pharisees is that why are these people always hanging around Jesus? They won't hang around us. They don't want to be around us. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. And that's what we're going to explore today. And three weeks ago, uh, Josh Peterson started our series talking about the younger son. Did an exceptional job. And if you want to hear that, you can go online to our website and, 
and, and go back and, and listen to that message. I, I think it's a worthwhile because there are a lot of us that either we're in that situation where we're the younger brother or we're like today, what we're going to look at is the older brother. And look what it says here in Luke chapter up on the screen. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Why did Jesus come? Jesus was a part of the missing children department. He was the director of the missing children department. He took it upon himself. I am going to find those lost children. I am going to look for, I am going to connect with, I am going to speak to the lost children. And then Jesus wants to pass on that responsibility to guess who? To us. That's what the church should be doing. We should be continuing the work of Jesus. What it says here in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Who's lost? What's lost? What has God lost? He's lost His children. And He wants them back. He desperately wants His children back. If you're visiting here with us today and you don't consider yourself religious or you don't consider yourself a person of faith, guess what? God wants you home. Not so you can become religious, but that you can be a faithful son and you and God can have a relationship. That's why Jesus came. He came to connect that relationship. And so as we begin our study today, the parable of the lost sons, I want to encourage you, there's, there's three movements in this, in this parable that we're looking at, and it starts in, in verse 11. You know, and we all move through periods of our life, you know, and, I, and I, I'm very clear on that where I was as a young man, younger son. I was the younger son. Rebellious, self-centered, self-focused, doing my own thing. Pleasure was my goal in life. Whoever has the most fun wins. That was my motto. But I hurt a lot of people around me. And I was very separated from God. Then you've got the older son who is very religious. And we're going to look in depth at him. And... I've honestly had to take a good look at my life here recently in the last years and have to come to grips with, guess who I've become in church? The older brother. And, and I want you to do an honest evaluation, particularly if you're a member of this church. I want you to do an honest evaluation today. I want you to do a heart check today. If there are elements, symptoms of the older brother Syndrome, as we call it, if you want to put a name on it, if there are those elements in your life today. Because Jesus told this part of the parable that we're going to look at, He told it as a warning. Danger. Don't allow your heart to go to this extreme. And where we want to end up, that last mo- movement or moment, where we want to end up, and what true Christi- Christianity is all about, is that last place is have the heart of God that we looked at two weeks ago on Father's Day. What's God's heart like? He's excessive with His mercy, with His, his, his persistence in reaching out and going after lost children. And where are you in your journey today? And the goal of the Jesus is the same as this series, to be like God 
to be prodigal, to be the ones that are lavish, extravagant, overdone, wasteful, and reckless with our mercy, with the way we give grace, and we're willing to forgive people. That's how our God is. So let's begin our study today. In Luke chapter 15, we'll just you know, briefly go over this. In verse 11, we know about the younger son. He came to the dad and he said, I want my stuff. Give me my share of the inheritance. And you know, before we read on, let's, let's go to God in prayer. Pray with me, if you would. Our God in heaven, we are so grateful this morning to be a part of your church. Thank you, God, that we can learn and know your word. I do pray for you to open our hearts that your word will fall on fertile ground today. Please help us, God, to recover the heart of Jesus, to recover your heart. Because we know that the world that we live in today needs hope, needs direction, needs forgiveness. And we know that you want these kids, these, these sons and daughters of yours to come home so we can be with heaven with you for eternity. Please uh, use this time and fill us with your spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we read here in, in verse 11 and following, the, young son, the, the, younger, the younger brother gets what he requests, and this was blow away for them that the father even did this. To, for, the, for the audience to hear what Jesus was saying was extreme. The father did what? The son did what? This was so out of the box. But it's what people were doing. And Jesus was sharing the parallel here. And it's the perfect parable parable for these people in his audience. But guess who else it's perfect for? It's for us. Because you and I are in this same spot right now. Today. We can find ourselves in this spot. And we're going to pick it up today, and this is kind of an image of the scene. The, the, then, then he came to his senses, he woke up the younger son, he comes home, and the dad embraces him, he kisses him, he puts a robe on his back, he puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, full redemption, on the spot. And we're going to pick it up in verse 25. The older brother. What was his response to the prodigal dad? And let's read here. It's up on the screen. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. Very descriptive of heaven. What's heaven going to be like? There'll be music. There'll be food. Fat and calf. The best. Only the best. And there will be dancing. As I said a couple weeks ago, you better get your groove on if you want to be in heaven. Because there will be dancing in heaven. Rejoicing. And the music will move. And we read, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on here? I mean, the, the party was on. It was in full effect. You could hear it from a long ways off. You got the DJ, he's, he's, he's rolling it. I mean, the place is rocking. He said, what? It's, it's, this isn't any festival day or any celebration. What is going on here? And the servant says, your brother has come home. 
He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So the older brother gets the story here. He gets it. And Jesus is now going to open our eyes to redefine lostness. You see, because you think as a younger son and you say, yeah, he's lost. The younger son is definitely lost, right? He was out in Las Vegas doing really bad stuff, threw away the money, you know, spending it on prostitutes and, and, and alcohol and drugs. I mean, he's lost, right? We, we, we'll all see that. But Jesus is about to open our eyes to he's not the only one that's lost. It's a perfect fit for this, this chapter. And he's opening our eyes to the dangers of religious lostness. History repeats itself over and over and over. Do you consider yourself a religious person today? If so, Jesus has a warning for you. He has a warning for me. I'm a minister, so automatic, boom, red lights, be careful. Watch it. You know how easy it would be for me to go to be, you know, the, the, the lost son to being the Pharisee as a minister. That's a real quick trip. And where was the older brother? This is an interesting question. You go back to verse 11. And as the dad is talking with his, his, his son, the younger son, and he's negotiating, give me my share of the estate. Give me, give me, give me. Where, where's the older brother in all this? Isn't he a member of the family? I mean, why didn't he sit down with his dad and say, wait a second, I don't know if you should give him this. Why didn't he sit down with his brother and say, what are you doing? What do you mean you want your share? What do you mean you're going to go off to Las Vegas and you're going to, you're going to do these things? What do you mean you're pulling away from the family? We're a family here. Where is the older brother? And where is he when this party is going on? Where was he when the dad was sitting at the entrance of the village waiting day after day? Did he go out to console his dad? Did he go to his dad and say, Dad, I'm so sorry that you've lost, we've lost your son and my brother. Did he go out and put his arm around his dad and say, I'll pray with you. I'll wait with you. You don't see that. In fact, what you see is he's on his own. He's doing his own thing. And what we're going to see in this passage is he doesn't have a very good relationship with his dad at all. Even though he's home and he's doing his thing. And what were his relationships like with the dad and the little brother? I mean, there's no indication that he was even connected or even feeling anything about the younger brother taking off. And we're going to see it loud and clear. There wasn't a whole lot of compassion. The real heart exposed. Look in verse 28. The older brother, when he heard this about the party and the fattened calf, look what it says here. The older brother became angry. What? Your brother's back. He's still alive. You thought he was dead. He's back. He was angry and he wouldn't go into the party. And so not only does he stiff his brother, he's stiffing his dad. He's pulling back from the whole family. I want nothing to do with this. I'm upset. 
I can't believe this is happening. And who was Jesus addressing at this part in the parable? And he's always, he's addressing somebody. Okay, in every parable, he's addressing, and it might be you. But in this case, who's he addressing? Is he addressing the tax collectors and sinners right here? He was talking about the Pharisees, people in the family, the older brothers. So guess who Jesus would be talking about today? For us. Talking about his church. Where are you, where are you guys at? Hey, are you really feeling the pain of God about lost people? Are you, are you out there at the village gate trying to help your dad bring home the lost sons? And when somebody gets baptized, when someone gets saved, when someone's studying the Bible, does all that grace to a very sinful person Does it kind of bother you? Man. Or do you celebrate with them? And what was the Pharisee's heart towards the lost son? You see, when you're a religious person and and in churches where they talk about grace, there are religious people that get angry with that. What do you mean grace? No, no, you don't get grace. You've got to earn it. You've got to work for it. And you've got to, you've got to change. You've got to do penance. You've got to walk from here to there on your knees. I mean, there's churches that practice that. You've got to earn your way back to God. What, what did the younger son have to earn here? Zero. All he did was come back. I'm talking big grace. And that grace made him angry. And Jesus' point here is that the older son is lost also. He's removed from his dad. He's detached, and you're going to see it. He's totally separated from his brother because there wasn't like any emotion about, hey, my brother's back. That's my little brother. We used to play ball together and he's back. He's safe. He's sound. He's angry that he's back. He's angry that there's a party. Let's, let, let's read on. But, but before we read on about the brother, let, let's look at the dad. What did the dad do? Again. What did he do with the older? So his father went out. You know, he could have stayed in the party and said, yeah, that knucklehead. He didn't want to come in. Let him sit out there and think about it. So tired of his attitude. He's always complaining. He's always got this bitter edge, this axe to grind with all the stuff that he does, and he's not getting treated right. He sit out there and think about it. He didn't want to come in too bad. Pass me the fattened calf. I'll have some ribs, please. Is that his heart? What's God's heart? I'm going to come out of the party. And it says here, he pleaded with him. Would you come in, please? This is your brother. This is a party. This is a celebration. He was dead. 
And we got him back. Please come inside. This depicts the heart of God. Even with the Pharisees, right up until the point of Jesus' death, Jesus always extended a hand. Come back. Stop earning your religion. Stop trying to do it your way. Stop being so self-righteous. Come back home. And he pleaded with him to come in. More of the older brother syndrome. Verse 29. Look how he talks to his dad. But he answered his father, Look! I mean, just that in itself. In this culture, you do not talk to your father like that. You don't talk to your dad that way. It's be like, Look, buddy. I mean, that's strong. How's his relationship? Look! All these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, This son of yours. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Ever done that with your wife? You know that son of yours. You know what I'm talking about? Or the the wife says to the husband, you know your daughter? It's your daughter too, but no, we'd say your daughter. My wife and I joke about that sometimes. When something's not, you know... You know, Nick, your son. Sorry, Nick. But it's cold. We kid around about it, but this was serious. It was cold. The son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill the fattened calf. You go all out for him. You show this kind of grace. You show this kind of mercy. I got a real problem with that. Whoa. We got some stuff underneath the surface, don't we? Apparently, he's the faithful one. Does his chores every single day, does what his dad says to do. But see, God's not interested in our performance. What's He really interested in? Where's your heart today? Really? Because, you know, we can come to church and, you know, hey, God bless you and good to see you. And and then you go home and then, man, service was so long today. And I couldn't believe it. I had to park all the way down at the end of the block in this heat. Oh, man, I had to serve in kingdom kids today. You get what I'm saying? That was his heart. It wasn't good. It was ugly. What do you think dad is feeling right here when he's hearing all this? My son is lost. What has happened to him? What's going on with this guy? 
This is my boy. I thought I had him. I thought we were one. But he obviously knew for some time that there wasn't something right. All this separation. But look at the dad again. Here he comes again. And he didn't, you know, when the, when the look came, he didn't come back and say, Hey boy, look what he says. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have, everything, look around, everything that I have, it's yours. It's all yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. This is a resurrection. We lost him and we got him back. Why can't you see that? Why can't you appreciate that? He's your brother. You grew up together. You held him in your arms when he was a baby. You watched him take his first steps. You guys used to play together. What's what's going on with your heart? Your brothers. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. You've lost touch with these people. These tax collectors and sinners, you don't care about them. You have no interest in their salvation. You don't want them to be saved. You want your stuff. You see, for the Pharisees, it all became about them. My stuff. And see, he wasn't doing his chores and doing the work around the farm to please his dad. Who was he doing it for? He was thinking about, hey, when I, I do all this, guess what? This place going to be mine. It's all going to be mine. And I'm going to be a good kid, but with an end in mind. I'm going to get it all. And I'm going to run this farm a lot different than Dad did. We're going to have some respect here. We're going to have some order. And if that prodigal son comes around and he wants to wander off, I'm going to kick his fanny right out on the street. We're not going to do this anymore. You see that edge? And this, this phrase here, everything I have is yours. What's that mean? Everything. Any idea? What's the everything? You want to know what everything is? Salvation. There's nothing more valuable, more important, more, more significant than salvation. Understand that. Because we can walk around and say, well... So-and-so's got this, and -and so-and-so's this. Why do I get the hardship? How come he gets the the beamer? How come he gets the nice job and the career and the nice wife and the nice kids? Why do I got to have this tough situation? And lose sight of what you have. You got the best. This is all small stuff here on earth. This is all piddly stuff. What you have is salvation. That's the biggest, the biggest thing. That you are saved. That it doesn't matter what happens here on earth, you're going to be with God. That's what we're talking about. 
I want you to think about what you have today instead of what you don't have. And that's what he meant by everything I have is yours. You're saved, son. At least it should be that way. So let's go a little deeper. I want to do a heart check. Okay? If you're visiting here with us today, this is kind of a family meeting. Okay? If you're a member of our church, I want you to open wide your heart. I want you to look at your relationship with God. Your motivation. How are your relationships in here? How are your relationships with people out there? Is there compassion? Is there care? Is there concern? Do you have your missing children poster hanging on your refrigerator? Meaning, I'm looking for that lost son and that lost daughter of God's. Let me help them. Looking for an opportunity. Are you connected or removed, absent from the cause of God's heart? What is God's cause today in 2011? Is it to have awesome churches? Awesome worship? Great facilities? Great teaching? A school program where our children can go and learn. What is God's plight today? On the universities? High school campuses? In the job place? Everywhere. What's God's plight? Lost children. Is that your plight? And see, today is all about change. It's all about, it's not a guilt trip. It's not so we can feel bad, but it's a heart check so we can avoid the big brother syndrome. You see, we don't want to go there. We don't want anything to do with that. We want to be with God and have his heart. And we're going to see that Jesus had it big time. Who is this really about? Here, this whole experience today, who is this really about? Is it about God? Or you? Well, you know, ever since I started coming to church, my life is so much better and my kids. You know, that, that's, a, that's a consequence. That, that happens. But it shouldn't be our motivation. And there are indicators that let us know what is our true motivation. Are we getting what we need? And when we get what we need, that's enough. I'm not going any further. I'm not doing any more. You see, because when it costs us, It's not convenient for me anymore. I'm just going to do the necessary things. And and i got to brag on some people. This past week, VBS, those of you who are here, was that not off the hook? Do you realize how much work that took? By our volunteers. Where's Debbie and, and Aaron Dominguez? Where are you guys? Where, where, where's Mike? Where's Mike and Lorna Lowe? Where are you guys at? You know, and you got you got Robert, who's the bus driver. You got you got Fiella, who's what's your name again? I declare. You got Dan Condor. He's up there, and, and it was just awesome. All, all the scenery, and I'm like. This is impressive. Why do, you, why do you guys do this? Why all this work? Who's this really about? Feel, feel, she doesn't have kids. 
Who's she doing this for? She's doing it for your kids. And all the teachers down below. I mean, it, it, was, it was exciting. And there are a lot of people. I just mentioned a few. There are a lot of people that are working really hard. Why are they doing this? For Him. See, because it's not about them. It's about Him. And that's the goal of today. That you'll take your eyes off of you and put your eyes on Him. Just like Jesus did. How is our value system compared to God's value system? This is huge. Do you value the same things that He values? The things that He considers so precious. I'm going to give you an example today. Not to put anybody on the spot, but it's been going on for a long time, so I've got to mention it. Our worship service. Okay? How important is this to God, our Father? You think He likes it? The singing, the, the prayer, and, and then we open His Word, and we, we get excited about Him, and we learn about Him, and we, we come out and we go, I want to be more like God. I want to be more like Jesus. What can I do to please Him? You think He gets excited about that? But what happens, and again, this is for our members. When you come in, really late on a consistent basis. What value do you put on that? You know, and I've seen it for a long time, and I just thought, okay, there's going to be a time and a place where we've got to talk about that. This is the time. This is the place. And, and if you're visiting here with us today, guess what? You can come in at 11 or, or, or 11.15. Our first service finishes about then, but you can come in 11, 11 12. Right before our service, that's fine. We just want you to be here. You can come in super late. That's cool, because you're, you're our guest. And we just want you here. It doesn't, you don't have to be early. You can be let, you just, we just want you here. But for our members, we're at a different place, right? We value what God values. And if you're, if you're coming in late, consistently... Late. Now, I'm not talking about two, three minutes. I'm saying 15, 20. Well, it's because i got to park all the way down there. What about that concert that you went to a few months ago? Where you had to, you had to park like half a mile from the Staples Center and pay all kinds of money in the parking facility. Then you had to wait. Were any, any griping then? Were you late? Man, you were there early. You want to step pre-show? It's all about value. You see, when you get through time, right? You've been here a long time. Guess what? The church service, it becomes old and the same. Oh, yeah. You know, Dave's going to come up here with Margie. He's going to give a welcome. And, you know, they're going to say how great the church is. And, you know, we're going to sing a couple of songs. And Chris Allison and Dave Moss. And, you know, I know how it's going to be. I'll just get there for the message. And, you know, the interesting thing is the people who come late on a regular basis... They're usually the first ones to leave. They're walking out during the closing song. Oh, well, I got to go get my kids before the rush. The rush? (laughs) 
There's no rush. We're a small church. Relatively speaking, you get your kids and you are, it's like a, a race. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody, okay? I'm just speaking to a few people. I know, I know. But, and, and this is not to put you on the spot. The point of this is your value system. Okay? Your value system. God highly values this from the beginning to the end. There's people here setting up, getting ready at 7.30 in the morning to make sure it's awesome for who? For God and for you. They want to make it excellent. And they want to make it excellent for our guests, people that are coming here to visit us and be with us. They want the experience to be unforgettable. But when people come in really late, it's forgettable. Week after week, I try to put that out of my mind. Please, value what God values. Wednesday night, it's the same. And I understand there's work, but some people don't show. They don't come. They don't value it. Marriage principles. You don't value that? You don't want to have a great, practical, awesome marriage? And be with your brothers and sisters? Just that is awesome. I work on Wednesday night, but I get so much more from the fellowship. It it encourages me. It helps me. I come away invigorated in my faith because I've spent time with God and I've spent time with His family. I could go on all day, but i got to be honest with you, though. This book that I recommended, The Prodigal God, some of you are already reading it, Timothy Keller. I know I'm talking about the, the late stuff, but I want to go deeper. I saw some ugly stuff in my heart. When I read this book and I looked in deeply into this, this parable, I wept. I was so disgusted with my heart. How I've conducted myself over the years with regard to other people of faith, judgmental, condescending. It was not good. I felt bad about what I made people feel about our church because of things that I said and, and, and preached and ways that I came across. That sinful people would come in and they'd hear these things and they'd see these things and they'd say, I don't want anything to do with that. In fact, one of the reasons I believe the younger brother wanted out of that family is because of the influence of the older brother. He said, if this is family, this ugliness, this self-consumedness, this self-righteousness, this judgmentalness, I don't want this. Get me out of here. We've got to own that. See, I saw that in my heart. I don't want this to we walk around policing each other and hey, you're, you're, what's, hey, what are you doing, Jacqueline? You know? She's feeling all, what, what? <laughs> we, we don't need to police each other. We need to encourage each other. Who's doing what? You know? And, and it just becomes a, a tense environment. Hey, listen, guys. Let, let's stop that altogether. Let's be a place where grace abounds and resides. Where we love each other. When people walk in, there's hugs, there's love, there's connecting. And we're going to help each other grow. But i, I got to confess, I saw a lot of these things that I'm going to talk with you about. 
I feel a responsibility for, you know, uh, even some of my, my nieces and nephews and, and some of the squabbling that's gone on in her church and in, in between people. And I just go, man, this is not right. What demonstration have I given them of God's mercy, of God's love, of God's patience? And so I believe today is an opportunity for us as a church to turn the page. And we look around and we see people of faith and churches of faith and we go, that's our competition. Really? No, they're not our competition. And they may not have it all straight as far as what the Bible teaches. And, and, and maybe God will give us the opportunity to help them. But I am not going to fight with those people anymore. That's, that's God's, God's position to help them. And, and years ago, there, you know, there used to be this edge, this, mm, mm, you know, this church and that church. No, 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 no. You know who our competition really is? It's the world. It's the devil. So the Lighthouse Church of Christ from here forward, our primary focus is to help lost children come home. And this church down the road, we, 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 you know, let, let them do their thing. If God gives us an opportunity to, to help anybody that's not straight, then we'll do that. But we don't want to have an edge anymore. We don't want that to be a competition. I'm sure there's things that we need to work on. Right? They're looking at us going, man, you guys in the Lighthouse Church of Christ, you got some things to work on, right? Yeah, I, I, we probably do. God, make us all aware of how we need to follow your word in the right way. And I saw these things in this book, and it, it really wrecked me. Symptoms of an older brother. We're just going to run through this really quick. Because I know you've got to go to your 4th of July barbecue. Fat and calf. And it's tomorrow? Yeah, but the day's okay too a little bit, right? Symptom is an older brother. And I want you to do an evaluation because I, I had to do this. Removed. You're removed. Meaning you come in here and you walk out and there's not that close fellowship. In your faith group, are you really engaged? Are you really connected? Being detached or absent. Missing a ton of services. You know, hey, I know you got a busy schedule. I know you got a lot of things going on and, you know, your life and your stuff. And, but is this really important to be with God's family? And, and, you know, we all need to go on a vacation. Please, go, go. But there's a difference between a vacation here and there and missing a ton. You know, you just got your foot in the door just so you can say, I'm here. And you pull it out. I was present. Check. I, I, I did my thing for God. Check your heart on that. God and the lost. And then just a heartlessness. That's, that was the older brother. He was heartless. Didn't have compassion. You know, and, I, and I, I tend to do this when I saw this in the book. I was saying, you know, how do I feel about people of, of, of a very sinful background? You know, I live in one of the liberal communities where it's way out there morally what people believe. And I tend to get condescending and negative about them and judgmental about them instead of compassion. God, please give me an opportunity to share my faith with this person and to hurt for them. 
Not to scowl at them. <laughs> Should be ashamed of themselves the way they act, the way they carry on. Should be co- compassionate. And he was selfish. That, that was the older brother. It was all about him. My goat, my party, my stuff, my recognition. It's all about me. You know, and, and check your heart when you're driving away from church, thinking about this, you know, what's this, and so-and-so, and how I got treated, another, another six months of kingdom kids, or four months of kingdom kids, and, and then i got to take down the sounds, etc., etc. Check your heart. Arrogance and entitlement. See, the older brother felt an entitlement. He said, I deserve this. You know, we live in the United States of America. Let's talk about it. There's a difference between a democracy and a kingdom. We as Christians are part of God's democracy. Kingdom, right? He's the king. And we think about, I got my rights. That's just an American. You got your rights as an American. As a Christian, as a disciple in God's kingdom, you don't have rights. You have privileges. It's a privilege. It's not a right. It's, an, it's not a right to be here at church. It's a privilege. Everything's a privilege. God gives it to you. He lets you have it. And our, our, our spirit needs to be one of overflowing gratitude. Not like, I deserve this. I have been in this church for so long. I have served on the board of directors. I have served my time in Kingdom Kids. I have been the one putting up and taking down. Whoa. Next thing coming is your declaration of independence. We get to serve. We get to be members of God's church. I get to be a minister. Wow. But there are days, I confess, there are days I go, dang, this is a hard job. This is tough. Don't feel appreciated sometimes. Just, just, just days, just a couple days. Okay? And then I got, I got Joe and Josh. They come and see, bro, bro, eat, bro. And they see it on my face. And I get right. Big brother syndrome. Let's watch out. No entitlement or superiority. I, I, I'm better because, see, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. Careful with that. Truth is, there are no titles in the church. There are responsibilities of service. That's it. If you're a faith group leader, house church leader, deacon, member of the RFAC, Kingdom Kids coordinator, leader of the ushers, you know, leader of the worship team, there's no entitlement. It's service. See, and we're all the same at the foot of the cross. All right? And that's where we got to go with this. Amen? Are, are we together on this? Amen. Comparing and judging. Let's not do that. All of us have different gifts. All of us have abilities that are different than everybody else. There's no one person like you here. Nobody. You are an individual. And we don't need to judge people. We need to help people and encourage them. If there's a need, let's meet it. Let's help them out. But not with the pointing finger, that bent pointing finger. A lack of joy. Ooh, there was no joy in the older brother. 
No joy. He had an edge. How are you walking around in church? You know? You come in smiling. You come in ready. Hey, so good to see you guys. High five it all the way down, you know. So good to see you. Awesome. Come on. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Is that you? Or you come in. I wonder when this service is going to start. I don't like that song. I wish Chris would get on key. A lot of feedback in the sound system. The drummer's too loud. I can't even read what's on the screen. Is that you? Now, I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't come out and say it, but what you, what you got going on inside? You may not say it, but are you thinking it? And, and if you're visiting here with us, say, I'm sorry, we're doing our laundry here out in public. Okay? But you get to see who we are. See, in other churches, they won't talk about this. We, we talk about it because we want to change. We want to be what Jesus wants us to be. Little celebration, you know, when there's a baptism. We had a couple baptisms last week. Man, it was awesome. But we don't, some, some people don't celebrate the baptism. They're like, oh yeah, baptism. Do you not understand? They're getting their sins forgiven. Oh yeah, there's going to be a baptism tonight? Oh, I'm too tired. Where would Jesus be the night of a baptism? Oh, man, he'd be in the front row. Just, wow. And I know there's things, times, you know, but come on. Not the other extreme, right? Bitterness about service and sacrifice. Man, I gave a lot of money at special contribution. I sure hope they administrate it right. I sure hope that RFAC knows what it's doing. And I wonder if something's going to the minister. I wonder if he's got something going on on the side with the book sales. I wonder if he's getting any take on that prodigal son book or Sam and Jerry's book. You know, marriage principles. You tell me that book costs $10 to make? What, what are we doing here? What, what do we got going on? Bitterness. Why do I always got to do the dirty work? You know, why do I still have to be an usher? Guys, we need more help here in this church. You know, you ask Steve and the guys in the back, they're shorthanded. They need help. You know, there's so many things we could do. There's so many things we want to do as a church. And then with regard to the contribution, you know, and I got to talk about it because is it consistent? Is it a tithe? Let me tell you, this is the best investment we can make for eternity in our church, for our children, for the faith of the unknown people. That we build this church, we grow this church, that we send money to Mexico and Central America to further the gospel. There's no better investment. 
Really. But when we hold it back and complain about it, yeah, I missed last week and I'm not going to make it up. You know, God understands my situation. Yeah, but do you understand your situation? I remember as a college student, I didn't have a lot of money. But I gave consistently and I gave generously. I don't even think I had a really steady income. But I gave steady a contribution. And since that day, ever since, it's the most important thing I can do with my money. And it's not because I'm in the ministry. I did it before I was in the ministry. And if I'm not in the ministry in the future, I'll continue to give. Because it's, it's important to God. Enough said. He was angry about grace. Let's not get angry about grace. Let's try not to measure grace. If somebody comes in at the 11th hour and they get their sins forgiven, celebrate with them. Instead of you that's been here 20 years, man, I've been doing this a long time. And they get the same forgiveness that I get. They can just walk into this church and be forgiven. And then Mike Mead, look at him. He gets to be a minister of the youth. Do you know what he did when he was away from the church? Really? We serve an abundantly merciful God. And he can throw it around any way he wants. And we need to celebrate it. We need to lift up God. Okay? Let's keep moving. Important attitude to have. Psalm 138, verse 6. Though the Lord is great, He cares for the humble, but He keeps His distance from the proud. You know, I have a tendency to be a proud man. You know, raised that way. It's part of our family. Be proud of who you are. Not good in the Christian faith. God is close to who? Humble. You want fellowship with God? Humble yourself. And when He blesses you, and He gives you prosperity, and He takes care of your life, don't elevate yourself like, man, look at what I've done. You know, if He's blessed you with car and house and a career and, you know, and all these great things, stay humble. In church, we need to be humble. That way we sure. And I did see some pride in my heart in the book. So how did the story end? You know, th- this is a crazy thing. And this, let's get back to the text here. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again and he was lost and now he's found. What happened to the rest of the story? What happened to the older brother? Did he go in? Did he stay out? What happened? This is what we would call an abrupt ending. Very out of context. Ending to a parable. You know, don't don't you ever hate it? Like, if you were watching a movie and 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 the movie just the the movie just ended without like what happened? Don't you hate that? What happened? Jesus did it on purpose. It's very purposed. He left us hanging. You know, want to know why? Because he wants us to take the story and go, it's going on right now. What will you do? 
Want me to tell you the ending of the story? I can tell you. The end of the story is that, you know, the older brother, he heard his last words of his dad and he broke down and he said, you're right, dad. I'm messed up. I'm sorry. He goes into the party. He sees his brother and he just, Niagara Falls, just, just weeping, hugs his brother and says, I'm so sorry for what I've done my whole life with you. I have mistreated you. I am not done right by you. Forgive me. And the party goes on. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm sorry that's not how it ended. As much as we love that. You want to know how it ended? The older brother... was so enraged by the wasteful mercy of his father, the disgraceful disgraceful way he behaved himself. He took a whip and beat his dad almost to death. Then he hired some soldiers to come and take his dad beat him some more, put a crown of thorns on his head, and then crucify him in the most cruel way imaginable to kill a person. That's what the older brother did to his dad. That's how the story ended. Really. Today I want you to think about that. As we take the communion, that's what Jesus was willing to go through to get to our hearts. And it's also a warning to us. Don't be like the older brother don't have anything to do with the older brother. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. See, Jesus is the heart of the Father. He had the same value system as His dad. They were one. They had the same mindset. What was important to God was important to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what we need to do as a church the author and perfecter of our faith. He's it. He's the model. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose what? Today, if you've lost heart as a Christian, turn to Jesus to regain your heart. Reapply your heart to Jesus. He's the model for our faith.
to care about people, to care about God, instead of it all being about you. If you're visiting here with us today, Jesus is the answer. He is the one. The way He lived is what's going to fill your void and your heart and your soul. He is the one that's going to make your life with purpose and meaning. Because then you're going to have some value to your life instead of it always being about you and the weekend and what are you going to buy next and this, that, and the other. And You're going to have some value to your family. Jesus. So if you've lost heart today, let's celebrate the communion that we can start over. We can be forgiven. You know, when I read this parable and I read the book and I saw my ugly, sinful heart, I turned to Jesus, turned to God, and I do it every week. Forgive me. And sometimes, many times a week, forgive me. Give me a new start. So today we get a new start. Let's pray for the communion. Our Father God in heaven, we are so grateful that you've shared with us the great story and the great message of your heart. Thank you for Jesus that he came to endure the cross and the shame that he had to feel being hung hung naked from a piece of wood, to be beaten, to draw us out. Thank you, God, that that's the price that had to be paid for our forgiveness. We pray now that you will wash away all of our sin, and we pray for our friends here visiting with that the cross will captivate their hearts to to be willing and, and want to serve you and want to be in a close relationship with you on a daily basis. Help us, God. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can remember that you love us this much, that you're willing to pour out your body and your blood for our redemption. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.